Well, it's great to see everybody. Thanks for being here. Uh, my name is Steve Murphy, and uh, we're excited about our series, Get Fit. Again, the F stands for fill up, read the Word of God. We're encouraging everybody to read the entire New Testament this summer. Invest in is what the I stands for. That means to get involved in ministry tangibly here at Discover. Make a difference. When you see a need, say, yes, I will help with that area. And T is to talk with someone about Jesus for the very first time, somebody you've never talked with Jesus about. You may have talked about everything else, but you never talked about Jesus. We want that to be a goal. So get fit. If you need more information, go to the website. There's more info there on the reading plan and various things. On Tuesdays, an email comes out, and it gives you information, hints, ideas on how to get fit. So we encourage everybody to be involved in that. We are in 1 Peter in June and July. So we're in chapter 3 of 1 Peter today. So turn in your Bibles. That might be a printed Bible. Like Chris said, you might have a, 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 an electronic version. That's totally cool. We encourage everybody to use whichever you want. Just make sure you're in the Word of God. That's the main thing. Speaking of the Word of God, <clears throat> on BibleGateway.com, here are some of the most popular verses. You may have heard of one or two of them. John 3.16, God loved the world so much he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things God works together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Philippians 4, 13. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. For most of us, if you've been following Jesus for a while, those are verses that you've heard over and over and over. That's why I have them memorized. That's just those, those are the things you write. Like everyone who graduated this year, you had Jeremiah 29, 11 and Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I guarantee you those are the verses people wrote. That's always the verses people write. So the verses that we're going to talk about this morning are not those verses that most people are memorizing and super excited to talk about. And to be honest, I'm not super excited to talk about them. They're tough. I'm not excited. So we're going to only get through this with God's help. That's always the case, but it's especially true today. So we need him. Lord, I need you. So let's do uh, that. Let's invite God and make sure that we know he is here with us. God, um, we thank you for Jesus, for the Holy Spirit, for your word. Give us ears to hear what you have for us, not for somebody else. And we pray these things through Jesus. Amen. Now, throughout today's teaching, remember one of the underlying themes of 1 Peter. There's the idea of hope. But there's also this idea that no matter what we're going through, no matter where we are in life, it's our responsibility, our privilege to make disciples who make disciples. First Peter helps us see that the way that we walk with God affects how other people walk with God. The way that you walk with God affects people around you in their walk with God. 
So we need to keep that in mind as we read the Word all the time, but especially this morning. So 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And there are three basic sections. There's a section that's primarily for wives, but has information for everybody who follows Jesus. A section primarily for men, but it's for everybody who follows Jesus. And then there's a section for everybody who follows Jesus. Okay? So starting in verse 1. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They trusted God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him her master. You are daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted, and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do, and he will bless you for it. Again, application in every verse for every one of us, but there are three basic groups, wives, not women, there's a difference. Wives, I mean, women are wives, right? But this is a subcategory of all women. This is specifically speaking to wives, speaking to husbands, and then it's speaking to everybody. So prim- primarily to verse, uh, verses one through six is primarily about wives. Now, I stand before you as a guy. I get that. And the guy who wrote this is a guy. So we've got two guys speaking right now. And I, if I was a lady, I would be like, Tune out, tune out, tune out. It's a dude, you know? And sorry about that weird voice. I just say tune out. It's a dude. So Teresa, my lovely wife, is going to come and just share some thoughts that she has on this subject. And um, she's just a wonderful lady. So would you please welcome my beautiful wife, Teresa? Hard verses, right? We don't like words like submit, authority, master, weaker. Um, they kind of make us annoyed a little bit, right? Kind of get that angsty feeling. Um, And I know it's hard for us to to have the right attitude sometimes when we're reading verses that we don't like. So I want you to just just try to um, open your heart to what God wants to speak to you today through these verses. I know I don't like being told what to do. I'm really bad at admitting I'm wrong sometimes. And I've been at the place where I wondered why God gave men authority sometimes, too, honestly. So I know how you're feeling. I know how you're wanting to just, I'm not listening to this kind of attitude. So try to just be open to what God's teaching us. Um, Those attitudes, I've learned, tell me something about myself, which is that I have a problem with pride. Um, I tend to like to control things and people around me and situations. And um, those go against what God's teaching me and what he wants me to be. Um, He hates pride, and there's good reason for that. 
it affects our relationship with him. It puts us in opposition to God. But it also affects our relationships with other people. And you know that if you've had any relationships at all. I remember a time in our marriage when um, I was praying to God to fix a few things in Steve's life. I don't know if you guys have done that before. Um, and boy, did I get a message from God. He made it really clear to me, uh, basically, as loud as possible, he said to me, what if my purpose is to change you through this relationship? And um, that kind of changed my whole focus and um, how I related to Steve and God. I um, started focusing more on what God wanted to change in me and let God do the changing in him. And that made a huge difference in our marriage. Um, things were much better, much easier. And um, I could see God changing him and me in the process. And the way, um, sometimes more me, sometimes more him, but that humility allowed both of us to you know, be able to say, I feel like God wants to teach you something. You're, I see God moving in your life in a different way, and that's great to see. Um, but you can't have that kind of relationship if you're not humble and willing to let God work. I think he uses relationships like that to kind of point out those areas we need help too. Um, so be willing to, to listen and um, humble yourself before God to let him change you. As for the beauty verse, we all know that being pretty and well-dressed can get you places in life. It can make things easier in some cases. Uh, but the older I get, the more uh, I see how quickly beauty fades. And um, we, we only have a few years that it's really there. And at some point, we have to start working on the inside if we want to be truly beautiful in God's eyes. A good way, I think, to test where we're at in that area is just look at your schedule and figure out how much time are you spending on outward beauty every day. Half an hour to get ready, whatever. Look at your schedule. How much are you shopping? And how much is the clothes you wear making you feel like you have significance? Those kind of things. Try to add that up and then compare that to how much time you're working on inner beauty, trying to be more like Jesus. If you're out of balance, which most of us probably are, um, Make a commitment to change that. If you spend 30 minutes getting dressed and pretty in the morning, spend 30 minutes with God too. Make, make that a, an even ratio. Our showing grace and forgiving when it's not deserved and serving others, being kind, this is the true beauty that points to God and it's irresistible to others. So if we live that way, our beauty is going to point people to God and make a difference in their lives too. Hug. Thank you, Teresa. I love you. I'm very honored to be your husband. And that's true. That is so true. Uh, wow, I'm blessed. Again, I think what Teresa was saying, I think what, what God is saying to us is the way that we walk with God affects the way that other people walk with God. Our lives have influence. Our lives make an impact. And, and I have to ask myself, do I care more about me or do, I, or do I care about the people around me? And I think whether you're a wife or a husband or in the everyone category, what Peter is saying to us is your life makes a difference. So live it for Jesus and people will be impacted in positive ways. So, I mean, obviously, Teresa's words 
are incredibly wise. I don't want to add much to them. There's not much that needs to be added. Um, let me just throw a couple thoughts out here. Uh, wives. And again, wives, not women. There's a, there's a difference. You know what I mean? I think there's been some misunderstanding about what this is saying. Men are not superior to women. Men are not in charge of everything. You know, that's not what this is saying. But wives, embrace your position of humble power. Now, I know that sounds funny. You're like, I read the words that were in there. Those are not words that give me power. But they are. When you go back to verse 1, what are the very first words in verse 1 say? They say, in the same way. Which means something came before. And the in the same way that came before is where it's talking about Jesus. And the impact that Jesus made by saying yes to his father, by respecting his father's authority. Jesus changed the entire world. He changed our lives. He changed eternity. You might say, well, I'm not Jesus. (laughs) Well, if you're a Christian, Christian means small Christ, little Jesus. That's exactly who you are to the people around you. And sometimes in your family, you may be the only one who is following Jesus, and your, your impact is significant. Ladies, you can impact your husband without saying a word. Just as he sees your actions... And you need to, as Teresa said, you need to truly believe that God can change your husband's heart. It's hard. I am a hard-hearted dude. I am. You would, you would be surprised at the stuff she has to pray for for me. You'd be like, oh, wow. But God can change your husband's heart. And ladies, it helps you to know that, that guys flourish, husbands flourish when they're respected, when they understand that that you care about them, when you encourage them. So if you are your husband's advocate, publicly and privately, that's going to make him feel great. So ladies, some homework for you this week. I just encourage you to take a a card, write a note to your husband, and tell him a few of the reasons that you appreciate and respect him. So homework for for the wives this week. Second thing, as Teresa talked about, outer beauty, it, it is attractive, but I, I got to tell you, ladies, sometimes it attracts the wrong kind of guy. And it will fade over time. It just will. And outward beauty means that you're always focusing on yourself, your flaws, or you're comparing yourself to other people and pointing out their flaws. And at best, Outward beauty provides a false, temporary sense of significance. Inner beauty attracts the right type of guy, and it grows over time and with age and wisdom. When your significance comes from God, ladies, your confidence and your strength are endless. So, trust in God, as we said in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You know what? Wives, your husbands are going to fail you. They will. If you have children, they will fail you. Your friends, no matter who they are, they will fail you. Our, our bodies, 
these decaying things that we live in. They will fail us at some point. Only God will never fail us. Only God will never leave us. Only God will never forsake us. So, ladies, embrace God. Trust in God. All right, enough for the wives. Husbands, now it's your turn. Go back and look at verse 7, guys. The reality is the reason many wives do not like verses 1 through 6 is because historically they've sometimes been used in very incorrect, very manipulative, very abusive ways that God absolutely never intended. And if you're in that category, guys, you need to own it, you need to confess it, and you need to stop it. That is the exact opposite of God's plan, which is what we see in verse 7. And the first thing is, you need to accept the good news of Jesus. Don't reject the good news of Jesus. Accept it. And some of you haven't done that, and it's the reason your marriage is struggling. And guys, if you're in that category, you need to accept Jesus. Guys, everybody, we are called to make disciples who make disciples. And that includes your family. That includes your wife. You need to lift her up just as she is lifting you up in encouragement and honor. Because how you walk with God affects how your wife, how your children, how your friends, how the people around you are going to walk with God. And God's plan is that you would honor your wife, as it says. And twice it says that you need to treat her the right way. Well, how do we treat our wives? Jesus is our example. We treat our wives the way that Jesus treats us. And that's just not some general concept. That is reality. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Then it goes on to talk about the wife's responsibility. And in verse 25, it talks about the husband's responsibility. It says, For husbands, this means to love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Not close to the way that Christ loved the church. Just as Christ loved the church. That's our responsibility, guys. He gave up his life for her. So guys, if your marriage isn't awesome, don't look across the table, look in the mirror. Stop complaining about your wife and start loving her the way that Jesus would. And if you haven't been doing that, own it and say you're sorry and start loving her sacrificially and watch her flourish. It also tells us, guys, don't ever seek advantage. If you do, you're the one who's weak, not her. And if your prayers aren't being answered, which means we are supposed to be praying, if your prayers aren't being answered, if they feel like they're hitting the ceiling, it says to check how you're treating your wife because God may not be listening to you at all until you figure that out. Isn't this fun? <laughs> Most wives express that a major need for them is security. A wife wants to know, not just believe, but to, to know that you, as her husband, care about her more than anyone on the planet. Not more than God, but more than anyone on the planet, including your children. That you would give up anything or, anything or anyone for her because she is that valuable to you. She is more valuable than any other relationship that you have. 
So homework for husbands. Oh, the guys have homework too. That's right. Husbands, your homework this week is to write a note to your wife and tell her just a few of the reasons that you love her and appreciate her. Now here's a sidebar. Husbands, just a, this is just a bonus, okay? Guys, when you serve your wife, it's attractive. Now, a caveat to that is not, oh, I carried out three bags of trash. Whoo, I am worn out. Guys, we do that. We're like, oh, did you see what I did? Did you see that? And then we sit down. Now, here's the insight for wives. It's kind of pathetic. I'm just telling you the truth, okay? Maybe it's just me, but I think this is most guys. Ladies, when, when your husband does something in service, go ahead and tell him how much you appreciate it. Go and tell him how great that was. It may really be carrying out the trash, and that's it. But when you catch him doing the right things and the service kinds of things, it really does make a difference. So just a bonus, just a bonus. All right, we're going to jump into verses 8 and 9, but before we do, again, we need to just remember we have influence. Every person in this room, every person listening online, every person on the planet has influence. And in his book, Immeasurable, Scott Jethany writes about two leaders. This is what he says. Leader A lived in an entire nation in a time of despair. He mobilized his people against unimaginable odds with inspiring passion. He set in motion the environment that produced the first computer, the first jet airplane, beginning, or the beginning of human space exploration, and he unlocked the mystery of nuclear energy. Almost every aspect of the modern world has, in one way or another, been influenced by this man. Without a doubt, Leader A changed the world. Leader B died just a few days before Leader A, but his life was very different. Leader B ran a school with just 100 students. He wrote a few books, but was not widely regarded. He was beloved by his friends and family and had a reputation for being both intelligent and faithful, but at the time of his death, almost no one knew his name, and most considered his life's work unfulfilled, including Leader B himself. Which leadership conference would you attend? The one featuring a keynote by Leader A or the one with the small workshop in the back hall led by Leader B? If you're inspired by Leader A, congratulations, you've chosen Adolf Hitler. Leader B was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor who was executed by the Nazis for his relentless opposition to Hitler. See, everyone has influence. The world will tell you it's this, and God will say, no, it's this. Dietrich Bonhoeffer lived for Jesus. And his life now is making all kinds of impact. He's got a great book called Discipleship. Pick it up and read it. It's fantastic. All of us have influence. And inspired by the Holy Spirit, Peter talks to all of us and says, this is how to use your influence. Verse 8, be united, sympathetic, loving, tenderhearted, and humble. That will totally shock the world, and it will bring honor to God. Verse 8, if someone insults you, return a blessing. Again, so countercultural. So countercultural. 
But it's what God expects of his followers. Verse 9 says, when you live that way, God is going to bless you. Again, we're called to make disciples who make disciples. How you walk affects how other people walk with God. How you walk with God affects how other people walk with God. And our greatest example always is Jesus, because that's exactly what he did. And I just ask you to close your eyes and listen to to these two verses, these two passages that talk about the example of Jesus and how he used his influence. From Philippians 2. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Matthew chapter 20. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. For all of us, we have a homework assignment this week, which is to write a note to Jesus and tell him how much you appreciate him, how much you respect him, how much you love him. And we can start that note as we sing in just a minute and honor him and say, God, I need you. This is hard but I need you. And there's, there's maybe someone here who has never taken that first step of obedience and said, God, I need you to cleanse me. I need you to wash away this junk that has gotten between me and you and it's gotten between me and the people around me. I need Jesus to come and, and cleanse my life, to wash my sin away, to change me. And you can do that this morning. As we're singing, you can come up We'll talk with you. We'll pray with you. We'll help you know what those steps are that God expects of somebody that's following Jesus to embrace this grace, this love, this this power that God gives us.